Hello and welcome to Casual Conversations of the Kiss Kind. I'm here to bring you the third episode of Casual Conversations of the Kiss Kind. As always, we're brought to you by our favorite sponsor, FrenchKissChicago.com, French Kiss Magazine. I love writing articles for them and I love being part of what they are and they love being part of what I am. And we've joined forces and now we're expanding our podcast more than just having the three mics that you've gotten to know over the past two episodes. We're going to be bringing on different featured guests who come from all different walks of life. We're going to get to know what they're about in the first half, and that's going to be roughly 30 minutes. And then in the second half, we're going to get to know more about their take on the topics that we like to discuss and let them put in their two cents on different things with what America's facing, different problems people have, solutions we may come up with. And as I always say, we talk about anything and everything. There are no rules here. And we like representing all different walks of life. We will talk about fashion, art, sports, politics, religion, sex, and so much more. And I also always like to let you guys know, you want to make a little extra money, sign up for Lyft. My promo code 51146. And another thing you can do, make a little extra money. Costs absolutely nothing to do when you're driving for Lyft or for any other rideshare app get a cargo box i do it lets me make some extra money i just sell the snacks to the people that are in my car some of them are free and i can even sell the snacks to myself and make extra money on it i love it getting famous amos cookies for free that's kyle underscore c underscore so with that all said let's hand it over to our second mic kiki Hi, this is Kiki Woodman. I am the CEO and Editor-in-Chief of French Kiss Chicago. You can follow us on Instagram at French Kiss Chicago. You can follow us on Twitter at French Kiss Mag, as well as Facebook. We are at French Kiss Chicago. You can follow me on Instagram as Chica Marina 312 and I'm also on Facebook as Kiki Woodman. And as he said, we talk about all things trending, all things currently going on, and nothing's off the table. So I'm going to turn this over to our third mic, Mr. LSD. Hello, beautiful people. It is the summertime. We made it 90 degrees today. Yes. Finally. Well, I am LSD uh, from Chicago, Illinois, of course, a uh, commentator for French Kiss. Um, we have an exquisite person in the studio today. Yes. Uh, a, rena- a renaissance man of sorts. Excuse me. I've been you know, tapping into the Hennessy. Yes, a little we've bit cracked open a few bottles here. Feeling extra, feel <laughs> extra bubbly. So we right got our now. juices flowing. You know, I want to come out there and give you guys a hug, but since I have my people here, I'm going to send it back over to Kiki and she's going to tell you about our guest. Yes, so we have Mr. Pete Cho here. He is, as we said, the Renaissance man. He's done it all. He's a music producer. He's produced music for a lot of big names that you know, and for a lot of people that you may be know, well, you may know soon. They're up and coming, and uh, he's going to tell us all about the music that he does and exactly what he has going on at the time and what he has planned for the future. So I'm going to turn this over to Mr. Pete Cho. Hi, I'm Pete Cho, and I, I, as of today, I just retired from music. So, oh, oh, oh no. that sucks. I'm just joking. Yeah, I figured why not make a interesting uh, intro. I guess <laughs> I'm Pete Cho, and I quit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done. I'm walking out the door now. <laughs> no, yeah. So, um, yeah, I've been making music since I was a kid. Um, I mean, it all started off with um, a boombox. I, I remember I bought a Magnavox boombox from Best Buy. 
with a you know with the cassette player and the CD and whatnot. And um, my Please buddies tell me you held that out in a backyard to get. Oh uh, no, no, I wasn't that cool. Oh, you didn't? <laughs> <laughs> no, I wasn't that cool. But um, yeah, like we would just put pop in the cassette tape, and so the earliest recordings that I did were like overdubbing. Like we we didn't have instruments as kids, so my friends and I got you know creative, and we would just start making like mouth instruments mm. or instruments with their mouths, you know, like ding, 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 ding. Okay. Like, Daryl knows all about that. Yeah, like shit like that. So then, Back uh, just closed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we would just overdub it and then just add vocals on top. And then eventually, uh, when, um, I think we got a computer, it was windows 3.1 before oh, like wow. 95. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, when you would click on the windows icon and go to accessories, there's a application called uh sound recorder windows sound recorder. Yes. So I think they gave you like 10 seconds to record something and then you could extend extend it and keep going. But if you fucked up, that was it. You have to start over. So like, um, yeah, that was like the earliest memory of making music or noise, I guess. And who was your favorite artist like growing up that influenced you? Uh, Influence wise, when it comes to like production, um, I think the main reason why I got into production was because of Dr. Dre. And uh, and really? the complete opposite side, Trent Reznor of Nine Inch Nails. So, oh wow, yes, yes, okay, yeah, okay. I, I love Trent Reznor. Like yeah. he's my favorite. Like yeah. he's still up there. So definitely. Um, what else can you tell us about like some of your influence? Have you managed? Have you been able to work with anybody that you really looked up to? And it's kind of like, oh, like what was that like? If you have, or is there somebody you would like to work with? Uh, yeah, there's plenty of people I would like to work with, but in terms of the people that I've worked with already, um, influence wise, let's just say I've worked with really cool people and, and, um, Can I mean you- like from childhood, like I haven't really like worked with anyone that I like looked up to and then I haven't gotten to that point yet. But, um, uh, I mean like my friends, they, they've done some really cool projects, some really big projects and I do look up to them. Um, but I don't know. I'm just letting the uh, Hennessy talk for her right now. So, <laughs> right. so if I'm cool. rambling on, you just be like, Pete, <laughs> shut the fuck up. And, uh, yeah, no, the, it's cool. Yeah. So tell us about Howlin'. How did that come about? Yes, like, I love the video. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So Howlin', um, that was actually originally, and it still is technically a demo for uh, Jason Derulo. And um, oh, so... Yeah, so exactly. Jason, if you're out there, yeah. <laughs> um, so we sent that to him twice, and because um, one of the guys that had um, was one of the producers that brought us in, mm-hmm. um, he uh, he had just had like a meeting with Jason, and was like, "Yeah, I need other producers. Let's get together, work on some stuff." And then so, since being in Chicago, we have our own camp here, and we've got another camp of songwriters and producers out in LA. And so, yeah, he was like, yeah, you just send whatever. And then we sent that over and um, didn't hear back. But then when I flew out to L.A., I met up with uh, a buddy of mine who, um, um, you guys know who Paul Blair is? I've heard of Paul Blair. Yeah. Yeah, so so he produced for Gaga. And um, so we were over at his house and he he allows, uh, I don't want to get off topic, but Paul, I have to thank Paul because without Paul, like, I wouldn't be where I am today. And he probably doesn't realize this. Maybe he does. Um, but yeah, so he he had this house in Burbank and in Glendale of in in California, 
and he would have um, a lot of his producer buddies and songwriters just hang out and work together and collaborate. So if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have met Lexo, who brought us into the whole Jason Derulo thing. But anyway, so we fly back to, or I flew back to LA, met up with um, my buddy Nappy, who had just gotten a record on the on the Derulo album, uh, on the latest one. And so he's like, yeah, send me Howlin' again, and I'll send her directly to him again. And then, so I didn't get to actually meet Derulo, but um, yeah, it was kind of cool that it was originally written for Jason Derulo. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. We checked out the video. We love, we just love, we love everything about it. And I, I noticed, I'm like, is that your dog? Yeah, and it is my dog. <laughs> He's been my branding for a minute, but I, I got to like redo the whole branding he, thing. He was kind of, uh, he was yeah. attacking people. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it was funny. Um, the guy who directed it, um, he's uh, Trey Manchester, and um, he put out an indie f- movie that won some film festival awards. And I'm actually gonna be in his next movie, uh, like oh, a brief awesome. party scene, like as a oh, as a camp or an extra, I guess. But uh, oh, that's yeah, I, I got to play a high schooler. It'll be funny. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> we all look like we're in high school in here. I so. don't. <laughs> <laughs> all right, now that's switching up gears a little bit. I know you said that you were a restaurant owner. So can you tell us a little bit about that, the experience of having the restaurants here in Chicago? It wasn't Chicago, was it? Yeah, so it was actually up, up in the uh, the West Ridge neighborhood, okay. like pretty much the northest part of Chicago before it becomes Skokie or the suburbs. Okay. Yeah, so um, I opened up a Korean barbecue restaurant called Gogi in 2013, and yeah, it was at the right time, too. It was just perfect because, you know, it was like Instagram and the whole foodie scene was kind of blowing up, and um but it was actually Steve Delinsky that came in. He was our very first customer, oh, and wow. he was on a oh, double wow. date that night. And Steve Delinsky also goes by the Hungry Hound. Mm-hmm. And on our soft opening, he was actually our only customer that night. Wow. Him and um, his wife and another couple. And the other couple, like the gentleman, he looked very familiar, but I just couldn't like figure it out. But anyway, they loved it. And then Steve Delinsky immediately. Uh, posted on his blog that we were his new favorite barbecue restaurant korean barbecue restaurant in chicago and then i get a tweet from um glenn koji from the band wilco and turns out the other the other guest was the drummer of the band wilco and i was like oh shit because i've seen wilco (laughs) live a couple times so it's funny how the food and the music is still merging yeah right yeah. Now, what would you say would be the biggest difference between like the traditional American barbecue that we do here to to the Korean barbecue that you were serving? Uh, yeah, it's um, a whole different experience um, because we had actual charcoal grills at the table. You would grill at the table. Oh, wow. So mm-hmm. it was there. Yeah, it was at the table. And, um, and you know, like, like um, I brought up uh, like social media and Instagram earlier. And another thing that really helped us out was Samantha Roby over at Chicago Food Authority. She had come in, snapped up some photos and posted it on her account. And then, you know, it took us to another like level or whatnot because she has a lot of followers. Um, and so, uh, yeah, it's literally art in a way because you have yeah. all these different colors of vegetables that are laid out. Yes. And then you've got the fire and the grill right in the center. So it, it's really um, it's a very colorful, artsy, creative looking kind of. Yeah. Now, I and can I've, imagine the presentation is just It was amazing. great. I've had the right. fortune of eating there, yeah. and it was delicious. Right. You didn't take me. <laughs> no. She didn't take me. I was being selfish. Yeah. I said, it's all for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, I mean, the experience of it, too, like, um, like just to converse about it, because we had a lot of customers that weren't familiar with Korean barbecue. Right. And um, just, you know, we would also 
tell our customers like the history of it and and how um, I, <laughs> I'm a little rusty now, but uh, <laughs> like let's say a couple of years back, um, uh, and you know it's 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 a mix of like Mongolian tradition as well, like where they would barbecue meats, and then um, a lot of the um, a lot of the people in Korea um, back in the day, I don't know exactly how far back, maybe like a thousand years or so. They were primarily uh, vegetarians because a lot of them were monks, mm-hmm. and so when, when Mongolian, um, I, I forget if they were like like um, like what's the word troops or whatnot. I don't know. They they came in and did their thing, and then like it combined like the different cultures, and that's how Korean barbecue okay come okay. about. So then, yeah. Just to make it clear, and we don't have people looking for this restaurant now, you've stopped with that restaurant to focus on other endeavors? Yeah, so the restaurant's still open. Um, I sold the restaurant right before the election. Um, So so it was like an interesting (laughs) transition with moving on. But yeah, so I had been making music, like I said, um, since I was a kid. And um, I had another, I had a previous project that was um, somewhat successful and then I had stopped music um, because, you know, my dad was sick. I moved back home in uh, out in Northbrook. And then um, and then he and my mom, my mom would um, ask that I'd help him out at their bar and restaurant. And so I kind of learned, you know, how the service industry worked. And then the opportunity came to open up Gogi. And I was like, all right, let's do it. Yeah. Then um, so my dad and I were supposed to open up Gogi together. Um, he passed away two months before we opened and then um but before he passed away he said hey you know like if music's still your passion like hold on to the restaurant try to do your best and um after two years you know you could sell it and just go back to music and that's exactly what's happened and um yeah. so it's still a gogi restaurant is it right just, just a different, different owner different? Yeah. okay yeah. so you're not a silent owner you're no you're sold I, it completely i'm completely out of it, it. yeah so now you're a hundred percent music and yep. What is your your day like in the studio? What what's what's it like to be able to do your passion one hundred percent like all the time? Um, well, it starts off with me waking up. Uh, <laughs> I'll watch. I'll go in my studio and I do watch the news for like two hours, and I like I don't know read articles and I call oh, that. Come work. on, man! Trump watches yeah. eight hours. You get <laughs> numbers, man. Like, hey, I actually <laughs> have to get to work. So. Um, but yeah, um, so I call that warming up, and then and then eventually I'll I'll probably spend like another hour just listening to music on Spotify, and and then I'll actually open up Cubase. That's the DAW that I use and for production, and and then I'll just toy around with um, certain sounds and. So yeah. you actually like Spotify? Because I've heard some artists feel uh, that they're kind of ripping off. The artists i actually like spotify um in a way it, it's tough to say because i mean it's so hard to make money in this industry right now as a new artist or um or even a producer artist or whatnot just making money in general like even studios like i, I think it's great that what I, I don't know what studio we're at right now, but Mystery uh, Street, yeah, yeah, yeah. Shout out to Mystery Street. Mystery yes. Street. <laughs> yeah, I mean they, they've got a dope spot here, and um, yeah, it's just really tough because like, like nobody wants to pay for shit anymore. Like people want like their friends to help them out and do shit. But anyway, like to to, to put out a song, it's expensive. You got to get your shit mixed. You got to get it mastered, mm-hmm. and then um, you have to market it and all that. And um, and then yeah, when you put it out on Spotify or 
iTunes or whatever you distribute it. Um, you may not get as much money back unless you're someone like Taylor Swift or like Kendrick Lamar or Katy Perry, Lady Gaga or whatever, because they're getting millions of plays. Um, so like you have to think about it. The average artist will not get a million plays and a million plays alone on Spotify will get you about $5,000. So if they're getting wow. like, like hundreds of millions of plays, they're well off. They're good. They're, they they got to, you know, they pay themselves, they pay the writers, um, and the publishing gets paid too. But for like an independent artist, it's, it's tough. You have to focus on, um, uh, like other things like merchandise, touring, and all that mm-hmm. shit. So yeah, and I know that sometimes you know the managers are well are kind of out to get the artists because you know there's things where a manager will uh, set something up with a promoter for a concert, but then they'll be like, okay, the first three rows you got to give those tickets to me. Right. Then they're selling those at an upped right. cost, so you're not even able to give those out. Right. And then yeah, so so it is kind of a doggy dog world. Yeah. Um, and so there's like this big artist on RCA Records. I'm not going to say his name. Um, but yeah, we, we've been working on music for him for about, I think, eight, nine months, like two years back. And we would hear from him through email and his A&R and they'd be like, oh, this is great. And then um, but then nothing landed. So like the, my understanding with the major labels is that once you get a placement and you're a producer, they'll give you the production fee and whatnot. And then you'll get writing credit as well. And and then you'll make royalties off of that. However, um, I mean, if, if you're doing all these pitches and, and they don't land or whatnot, then you're shit out of luck. I mean, I, I spent like eight, nine months on, on that project and, you know, nothing stuck. But fortunately, like I, I have friends on that album, though. They got they got a placement. So I'm happy for them. And there's one thing about losing money. You can kind of always recap money or recoup money. But time is something that yeah. you can't. Right. Get yeah. back. So thank God for networking right. opportunities. Right. To meet other people that have yeah. the same vision. So, yeah, there's definitely a positive in that because you are meeting other people in the studios, songwriters and, and other producers, um, even engineers. And you're creating a, you know, a relationship with them. And then and then um, you're still, I'm still working with a lot of them, too. So, um, yeah, it's just all about, you know, there is a positive in that because who knows? Because somebody that I may have worked on on that project be working on a different project and even if i like have other beats or whatever like laying around um that could stick with them that could work for them rather right. than yeah no yeah. so what's cool. the biggest misconception that you think that people outside of the industry kind of believe and think that you know now that you you know you've been working behind the scenes you've been working producing yeah. that you know to be true and they kind of have a misconception about it like what's the biggest one that you think people think and it's just completely it, off base i mean it's really not as glamorous um but i mean you do get to go to cool parties and whatnot and like get to meet some really cool people that are in the industry um but yeah i mean like i don't know it's it's uh it's uh, i don't know I'm, I, i've got shit in my brain right now i can't think <laughs> but what about I, with, uh, it's the hennessy yeah you and me are both uh, working the nightlife. We've had uh, different careers in there. So, uh, what, what did you do? In, in uh... I was a promoter. Yeah. So was I. Yeah. That was one of the things I did. <laughs> yeah. wow. So, were you a head promoter? Or were you a sub promoter? Were you? Uh, yeah. So my buddy Ryan and I, we actually started our own company. It was Effort Chicago, and and we threw um, parties at different nightclubs and lounges and whatnot. 
and um yeah it was that was a lot of work that was a lot of hustle and um i mean but that also led me to you know eventually i ended up djing as well and and that got me back into creating um music but because i started off producing um like like urban hip-hop beats and then that led me to doing like house music and and electro and whatnot before oh, eating you did lala too oh, yeah right? yeah i did play lala yeah i dj'd at lala palooza wow and um so if it wasn't for promoting like if i wasn't exposed to the people in that industry uh, that would not have led me to where i'm at today so even just passing out flyers for not even my shit like other people's events just hopping out like whatever you know you gain the experience you meet people and yeah just kind of take it from there now house music yeah you caught a buzz with me with house music. <laughs> yeah. I am an 80s baby, you yeah. know. Yeah. House, what's up with it? Like, for real, for real, like, would you still incorporate house into tracks and things now if people wanted it, or would you um, do it just because you appreciate it? Um, I appreciate it, but, like, more so now, um, since I've been, like, kind of developed, so, I, I, like, my mentor is Dino Zesis. Um, okay. He's so like Paul Blair found him through the same lawyer and like called him up one day and was like, Hey, you know, like pack up your shit. You're coming with me to Australia. We're going to go on tour with Lady Gaga. And so Dino, you know, he co-wrote applause and and I think like Ah. eight songs off the art pop album. So like he, when I first met him, he's like, Hey, you know, we know we need a, I need another producer here in Chicago. Like I can help develop you to do pop music. So primarily I do mostly pop um productions but yeah but i i do have a couple interesting beats that have a lot of like house like drums and whatnot mostly like disco or whatnot but we need to hear those (laughs) now tell us about burn slow like i've heard that track and it's amazing like how did that come about oh fuck that song's a nightmare (laughs) (laughs) wow and i don't think it even turned out great like i was kind of rushing it towards the end i mean that song was has been in development for like eight nine months no joke like on and off i mean it it originally started off as like an r&b track um it was for uh like uh uh, his his name was gallant and Mm -hmm. and so the people that managed gallant they went to uh glenbrook north high school like the same high school Mm -hmm. that i went to and they also uh, manage uh, um, Cruella, who you know I was good friends with um, before they blew up, and um, so um, yeah, so I had the ends with him, and then we sent him the demo, and he, and I was supposed to meet with him in L.A., but then he decided to meet with DJ Mustard instead, and I was like, oh shit! But I you know I can't blame him; he's gonna meet DJ Mustard. So yeah. so I if he can set me up with Miss Ketchup. Yeah. So anyway, he ended up passing on it, and I'm like, I don't know. There's something cool about like the uh, the verse section of it. I didn't really have the hook yet, and um, at the time it was just like piano chords. And then over time, my friend um, Austin and JDP they wrote lyrics on it, and they're they were like, "What do you think of this?" And I'm like, "Oh, I fucking love it." I'm like, "Maybe I can turn it into my song instead of like for someone else." So. I spent like eight, nine months on that song, like on and off though. And then, and then towards the end, there were like 12 different versions and, and I hated them all. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, fuck it. I'll just put this, I'll, I'll be like, fuck it. I'll just put this one out. And then, um, I'm like, all right, I'm cool with this. And then 
like two months later, I'm like, fuck, I should not have put it out. So like, is it safe to say you're a perfectionist then? Yeah. Uh, yeah. A little bit, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like there, there's some elements that are missing in the production, like certain frequency ranges that I hear now. I'm like, fuck, I should have like added more to it. But See, but I guess you're coming to, you're coming at it from a production standpoint. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, so like, and we're, I just listen to it. People, I'm like, this is great. Like, <laughs> oh, this shit is banging. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but um, yeah, I want to thank everyone that worked hard on it because I mean there were a lot of different songwriters over time. Like, I mean the song morphed so much that, um, but yeah, I mean I'm pretty happy with it, but I think it could have been better. Yeah. How do you feel about drum and bass? Drum and bass music, it's fun. I, I just okay. get me some uh, Tito's vodka and some Red Bull and <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Giggity giggity giggity. Shout out to Tito's. But um. You know, this place is, like, I'm looking around and, like, it's bringing me back somewhere. Like, this studio used to be, like, a rehearsal studio? Like, a rehearsal space? I think so. I think so. Yeah. 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 I think it was. Okay. Because I think this is the exact room. Um, So, I mentioned Cruella. And so, they were going to mm-hmm. do this live band thing. This is before, like, they blew up. And, and um, they wanted, like, live instruments, like drums, guitar. And then I, and, I, and then I came into like do DJing for them. We rehearsed like one time. I think this is the place. Probably like, so because oh, I know wow. they do live wow. recordings with orchestras and, and musicians here. So okay. And again, you know, you have manifest destiny. Well, I, okay. From my memory, it was like ten years ago, and it was a garage. I don't know if this is a if this used to be a garage or I don't know, but it just it's tripping me out right now. Like, <laughs> Well, if it was the garage, they done built this shit. Yeah, it looks real, right yeah, it looks fucking dope in here. <laughs> right. I know, right? Yeah. Somebody ain't feeling a recession in this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so Pete and I go like way back. I remember. I I don't know if I if we knew each other back when, like you mentioned, Cruella, and I remember. Um, the manager was it JQ. He was he was uh, going. Jake Adele, yeah. Uh, he was going uh, with the name Barbetto, uh, yeah. and 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 we were doing a sexy move. I remember that a long time okay. ago. Yeah, he used to uh, be a rapper actually, or oh, wow. he yeah. he took a chance at that, and then um, but uh, I, I believe um, the manager at the time was strictly just Nathan, mm-hmm. um, and then Jay came in later on. I don't really know much about their business, but. But I still keep in touch with them every once in a while, though. So yeah, so so you've seen a lot of things in the music industry, and like, what's the the, the thing you love the most about doing music every day when you just wake up? And oh, it's uh, it's it's kind of weird to say this, but like, I feel off of stress in a way. Like like I, I like I get pissed off at it, but then once I find something where I enjoy it and, and I get that satisfaction feeling, it's like, Oh, it's worth it. And it's incredible. And, and, um, I, I also think, um, just collaborating with as many people and getting to know them. So have like, what's it like to like work on something? Like you said, like it's a labor of love yeah. and then you, what's it like to like hear it? Like you're like going somewhere, you might hear it on a commercial or you might yeah. hear it somewhere. Like, what's that like to like hear your music? You're like, Oh shit, yeah. Like, like the, that's very interesting that you mentioned that because uh, sync licensing is like a big thing that I'm getting into, and um, yeah. But when, whenever I finish hear a finished project, it it's just I don't know. It's 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 a refreshing feeling, I guess. It's it's nice. It's proud. Like I'm proud. Yeah. Well, who would you say musically that we should look out for coming up? Your opinion. 
Um, the next big thing in music. Yeah, this artist, her name is uh, Skylar Miller, and um, she's, um, I, I don't know if she's going by her actual name. She went by Skylar, but I think she's going to change her name, artist name up. But is she R&B? Yes, I think I've she start I believe she started off doing a little R and B and um but she then she tried to do some pop demos and then she's doing some like experimental like some crazy shit. I heard it in the studio and um some mind blowing stuff and okay. and she's from Chicago too and she's going to be huge. And um another artist would be Anthony Pavel. And oh, yeah. um, I've heard of Anthony yes. Pavel, yeah. yeah. And then um let's see, I was I was a big fan of Aaron Allen Kane, like yeah, yes. like yeah, I she's, love her. She's, yeah, she's she's hilarious too, and she's, I I think she's a great voice in R and B and keeping that alive. So, well, well, this will see if I'm going to like you from now yeah. to later on. Remember the Beehive? Yes or no? I don't. Oh, no. I don't. I don't. Don't pull, don't pull him into your crazy. I need to know this. I don't, I don't need I don't, traitors I don't. around me. <laughs> well, I'm no, no I, I, I can't from the top of my head. No. We will always be cool. All right. <laughs> you have a place okay. to stay in Chicago. Okay. No <laughs> shit. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. So we want to get to like our final questions here mm-hmm. on the part one. I gotta. I gotta ask you. Okay. So uh, number one on your cheat list. Rapid fire. Here we go. On my cheat list. Um, yeah, come on. Don't act like you don't have one. His girlfriend might be listening. No. It's well, a cheat well, list. <laughs> like in, in production or like in life or? Yeah, in life. It's a celebrity. Life hacks. What's going on? Okay. Oh, oh, okay, okay, okay. Check it out. So when I first started off as a club promoter, right, I, I didn't know anything about it. Like me and my buddies just kind of got into it somehow because his older brother took us out one Which night. Which clubs did you promote? Um, Republic Nightclub, they closed down though. Um, and there was Martini Ranch in here in Chicago. Uh, I did Debonair as well. Um, mm. and a couple other places. A lot, most of them have closed down. Mm. Um, yeah, that's how clubs are. See, I promoted a lot of clubs on the south side that had yeah. to close down due to murders. Oh, oh. damn, murders, wow. killing people. <laughs> but, but, but anyway, for but some of them are still open. KOD is now called the factory. The uh, KOD is now called Structure. I also promoted the factory. Also promoted uh, right across the street. It was Queen of Diamonds. Now it's like Joe Willie's, and uh, yeah. So those are a few of the clubs I promoted. Glad you didn't promote Arnie's. Those strippers had pacemakers, <laughs> serious section wounds, on. and bullet wounds, and yeah. <laughs> but uh, oh yeah. So a cheat thing. Um, yeah. So for anyone that's new to like club promoting and they have no idea what what they're doing. Um, I kind of figured this one on my own. So I would call the nightclub on a Friday or Saturday at like maybe eight o'clock or nine o'clock, an hour or two before they would open. Um, you know, somebody's there, management's there, somebody's there, you know? And then, um, I would ask, Hey, who's managing? And the person on the phone would be like, um, Steve. And I'd be like, Oh, okay. Thank you. And I'd hang up like midnight I'd roll up I, I would have a business card right and I and I would go to the door guy and be like hey you know like Steve told me like to come in and just drop his name or whatever and, and then the bouncer would be like all right yeah cool all right you, like you yeah. got a business card or whatever so <laughs> so you guys got the inside yeah. team right and then, and then <laughs> after that yeah and then I, I would just walk around with a clipboard <laughs> yeah. you always look like you're in charge of something you know, fuck just y'all $30 entry <laughs> fee I need Steve <laughs> god damn yeah just have a stack of business cards ready and and like just just be like yeah I know the manager and you mentioned his name um I don't know times may have changed I don't know like but uh 
back then, like 10 years ago, a little less than that, actually. Like, it was easier. So, yeah. So, life hack. Call an hour before. Yeah, an hour or two, yeah. yeah. Find out who the manager is. Yeah, yeah. For those of you all who's balling on a budget and want to go out, <laughs> oh, yeah. you better get that together. And so I really want to ask you, what do you have going on that you want people to know about? What projects do you have coming up in the in the works and you want everyone to kind of listen? and? Yeah, so uh, I'm going to be dropping a couple tracks on my own. And um, I just met this, like, I met this girl who's a songwriter. She's like a jazz artist in, in the lobby. At, at the Lowe's Hollywood, and um, she was like, hey, you want to collaborate? And I was like, yeah, sure, why not? And then I actually listen, I listen to everyone's shit, their music, and, um, excuse me, I didn't mean to say shit, but yeah. You, they, can, say you can say shit. You can say anything here. Right, right, right. So anyway, so I listen to it, and I'm like, all right, well, the music sucks, but I have ideas for it, and she actually has a really good voice. So then um, I got the acapella, and then I created a whole new beat around it, and she loved it. Um, I think it's fucking dope, and I think we're going to co-release that. Um, and then I've got another like dance indie project happening w- with um, my buddy JDP, who is a phenomenal rapper, and um, and you should look him up too. He's got music JDP. up on Spotify, and um, so yeah, we've got this indie dance project coming up. We've got like eight songs that are um, finished in terms of the writing right now, and then um, yeah, just work, just collaborating with as many people. <laughs> just seeing what happens. Okay, yeah. and uh, another rapid fire question: What would be three things you bring with you on a deserted island? Ooh, that's a good one. Oh man, outside uh, of drugs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no drugs, Daryl. No, no drugs. <laughs> We're not um, asking you, Daryl. <laughs> all right, toilet paper would be one. Okay, oh, that, I guess that's that's yeah. Because I'm not gonna wipe my ass with sand, so. Uh, <laughs> No, you said the desert, right? Yes. Deserted oh. island. Oh, deserted oh, island. My bad. Shit. Fucking Hennessy. Goddamn. Uh, Hennessy. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. No, no, no. I'm blaming the Hennessy. For, uh... Blaming on the... Okay. So, okay, on a deserted island. Oh, fuck. Um... Pussy! <laughs> Does my girlfriend count? Yeah, okay. okay I'll, I'll bring my girlfriend. That's one. I don't want to think of her as a thing, though. But um, yeah, okay, so well, you know. well, she is a noun. Yeah. So you are right. Yeah. So I'll bring I'll bring my girlfriend with. We'll start like a new civilization, I guess. And then uh, um, definitely some Johnny Walker Black. Um, Very good, man. Very good. Very good. <laughs> and how long am I gonna be on this fucking island for? I don't know. Oh shit! Okay. Okay. Let's well, say you know, with, six with months the, with a six year. Months. Okay. With the current administration, <laughs> you need to make you need to be prepared for a long term haul. Well, in that case, uh, give me a gas mask and, uh, <laughs> and some. Uh, I don't know. Okay. Uh, <laughs> this is awesome. All Thank right. you, All right. And, and, and yeah, last rapid fire question: Your favorite food and your least favorite food. I love. I love everything. I really do. Brussels sprouts. Love it. Awesome. Lima beans. Love it. My grandma's cooking. Haven't tried it yet. No one knows my grandma. <laughs> well, she's dead in the grave. Okay. No white so. people don't have no seasoning for their food. <laughs> I'm, I'm yeah, really... You always have to eat it. You got to pretend that you like it, you know, and that she's always putting more on your plate. You know, okay. they're relative. We pizza all got Pizza is your favorite, or you, you just, you like... No, pizza's all right. Uh, fuck, that's, a, that's actually a really good question. I'm going to be thinking about this for, like, Throughout the next well, whole we week. may bring you on again, you know, yeah. and we're going to do a part two. Actually, we're yeah. actually wrapping up. We're actually uh, putting an end to part one right now, but we're going to do part two of episode three, where we're going to 
talk about different uh, issues that's being faced. So this is by no means going to be all about Pete. Mm-hmm. So if yeah. you got sick of listening to him, guess <laughs> oh, what? No, no. You're going to well, get yeah. sick of listening <laughs> to me and Pete Darryl. was awesome, yeah. though. He was but awesome. Yeah. We invi- we're inviting Pete to give us a, a little bit of glimpse of what yeah. he thinks of some of these topics yeah. that, are, so, that we're going to be so talking about. So it won't just so, be ooh. us three. We get to have a different person put in the mix here. So like I said, we're going to put an end to this. And yeah. uh, well, thank I pre- you, Pete. I, yeah, thank and you for having me. Thank and you, the, Pete. And the Hennessy and shit. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, Pete.